welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. long weekend and we thank the armed service members whom we memorialized yesterday so that we can utilize our First Amendment rights and have a radio show this evening. Uh, there are many stupid people out there, politicians on both sides of the aisle, celebrity doctors, single person driving in a car wearing a mask. We need to get more knowledge or Sophia onto the airwaves. So I invited Miguel Connor to be our guest tonight. You may know him from his shows on Aeon Byte, Gnostic Radio. He is the author of several books on diverse topics, uh, Voices of Gnosticism, a fantasy novel, a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic vampire series. You can learn more about Miguel by going to his informative website, thegodabovegod.com. He has an invitation to return already. Well, really looking forward to this show. Um, welcome to Nightlight, Miguel. How are, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on going to be a, a fun evening. Yeah, um, We've covered many shows recently that recreate the philosophies of ancient times, such as Egypt and the Holy Land. Uh, Barbara Normandy's show last night is obviously the most recent example, and you know, they covered the uh, sophisticated and highly intelligent, very well-educated people uh, you know, from you know, the greater Holy Land region that covered, uh, and they covered you know, a long period of time too in in their talk. Uh, Norman even you know, was talking about um, hide something in the light if you don't want someone to find find it 
Um, and I think we'll be touching on, on that theme tonight as well. Uh, Normandy also brought up uh, Carl Jung's uh, Red Book. And I know that was uh, discussed on one of Miguel's last uh, just couple shows. But you know, we've also had uh, Jim Willis on what, about a month ago covering how, how the uh, councils assembled uh, the Bible and he touched on the suppression of Gnostics, but they left an impact. Um, and I'm uh, far from a scholar of Gnosticism, uh, so I'm probably going to be learning along with many of our listeners uh, tonight, but it's a topic that's appropriate for Nightlight. <clears throat> uh, it's also something we haven't really covered too much. So I'm uh, looking forward to Miguel's expertise. So um, let's pour the foundations of Gnosticism. Uh, Miguel, who who were the Gnostics, and you know what were their beliefs? You know, when and where did they get started? You know, like some of the basics, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, yeah, you were talking about we need more Sophia. It reminds me of that quote in the Book of Enoch that says, uh, "And men rejected Sophia, and now she is gathered in the clouds with the angels." So I think that's where we're going in. The Book of Enoch is certainly one of the streams that goes into Gnosticism. So I guess the Gnostics would be the world's worst nightmare because then that's why they were suppressed, because they were a movement that posited that we live basically in a simulation. It's interesting that today um, with the advances in technology, virtual reality, video games, uh, uh, physics, all that, the simulation theory has become very accepted. But if you notice, the simulation theory doesn't really exist in history or only appears to appear or appears to appear, <laughs> seems to be for a modern thinking, although Descartes did talk about uh, his demon that had put his brain in a vat and had created the world around him. But it seems to be lost in the West, even in the East, talks about the world is an illusion, right? But the world is a simulation, as not a false reality, but a fake reality, something that's constructed to keep us uh, enthralled, imprisoned, uh, not looking at the truth. That was something that actually the Gnostics did over, well, I would say more than 2,000 years ago with the Christian Gnostics and the Hermetics, who said that, yes, we are living in a simulated reality, and it has been constructed or it has been constructed by, by these uh, programmers, these angelic programmers called the Archons. And that is because each one of us houses uh, a shard of infinity, which they call the divine spark. And uh, this divine spark has fallen into the world. Uh, the Kabbalah shares this idea, the sparks that have fallen into uh, from the broken Sephiroth. And uh, we, are, we are asleep because if we wake up, we can share this, 
this infinite essence beyond the simulation, which is the material universe, with a, uh, a being, a supreme consciousness that's beyond the stars. And uh, we can remember our homeland. We can remember our divine nature. And we can, again, eventually commune and rejoin this place, this place beyond the universe. And this awakening usually happened through the stimulation of uh, what is called a Gnostic revealer or a messenger of light. And to the Gnostics, there were various uh, Various of these, like Jesus, Simon Magus, some thought Buddha, uh, Mary Magdalene, and so forth. And um, they, they were, unlike the Jesus of Orthodoxy, this Jesus was here to awaken us, to give us this special information uh, that would, uh, yeah, that would uh, have us remember our divinity and awake us and awaken us so that we could leave for this universe. And uh, this idea of uh, no inter intermediaries, uh, no uh, this idea that the entire universe and the churches and the institutions were all part of the simulation, were all part of this bad software to keep us asleep, was very controversial to the powers, uh, the sec both secular and religious powers, because the Gnostics simply said, look, uh, we think that the God of the Old Testament is a demented monster, a demon. And there is a higher God than this God. We think all the other gods, whether it's Osiris or uh, Saturn, are just uh, servants of the Archons. Again, these uh, celestial programmers. And this goes with their temples, their government institutions, and so forth. And it's all, uh, again, a simulation that we must break through so we can see the truth about the world and the truth about our nature. So this sort of anarchist, individualistic, uh, supreme mystical stance was, it didn't go well. And it didn't go well with the Nathan Church. It didn't go well with the Jewish temples. Uh, it didn't go well in the East with the Buddhists. It didn't go well with in Islam as the Gnostics uh, kind of uh, evolved into the Sufis. It didn't go well with the Kabbalists and so forth. And the Cathars and many other groups who are take this Gnostic vibe. So that, in a nutshell, is Gnosticism. There are other features, if you want to talk about, like uh, the idea of a fallen uh, divine goddess called Sophia who has fallen into this earth and is helping us to escape uh, reincarnation. Uh, what practices? Well, you let me know what you want to talk about. But as I tell people, if you want to understand Gnosticism, just watch uh, a movie like The Matrix or The Truman Show uh, watch the television series Westworld. Uh, the Lego movie, believe it or not, is very Gnostic, and you'll get a good uh, grasp of what Gnosticism is and why it's so dangerous, even in uh, esoteric circles. Okay, so they I were I didn't basically... give you too much right there. <laughs> oh, it, it's um, a lot to... Uh, a process, but uh, it, you know when people talk about, uh, oh, I, I, you know, th uh, this is you know, their description of today's world is basically a prison planet. Uh, you know, the Gnostics, yep. you know, were already covering that two thousand years ago. Yeah, or longer, or longer. Uh, I mean, you have to look at uh, the Gnostics didn't just 
Yeah, it was revelation. It was mysticism. But you see these hints of Gnosticism throughout history. Uh, Plato's allegory of the cave is definitely a uh, primordial Gnostic work. Uh, the myth of Prometheus, uh, the book of Enoch. You see it. Even Paul, you were talking about how the best best way to hide something is in plain sight. The Bible itself is an appropriation, uh, a, a both an appropriation and a suppression of Gnostic thought. Paul, if you take away his false letters and if you read it without the Sunday church glasses, is very Gnostic. He's talking about powers and principalities, the God of this world, uh, the Sophia of the ages, and all these things. The Gospel of John was originally a Gnostic text. So you see it right there. You see it in a lot of places throughout history, but it really, um, you might say, uh, peaked with uh, in the first century with the Christian Gnostics and the Egyptian Hermetics. Okay. So, it, one of the interesting things about what Barbara and I do on these shows is, you know, there's, there's some comparative religions. You know, we're also looking at uh, contemporary philosophies. So, in they were the Gnostics were around for it, just uh, maybe a couple hundred years. It, it was a it wasn't a very long time that they were like a organized group of people uh before no, they, they were longer than that uh, okay but um it was a little it was uh a, a little longer but there like you said there was you know the christians getting started the 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 Gnostics there for you know their time. You also mentioned the Hermetics. It seems like that Mediterranean area, well, and then you get you know the pagan stuff going on in Rome and Greece. You know, that Mediterranean area seems like it ha had uh, a, a number of um, really interesting uh, conflicting, maybe some, some overlapping uh, philosophies of their religions. Uh, what were you know, a few of the uh, uh, what's the word uh, Tenets of uh, Hermeticism. It, it, how 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 is that a little different well, from Gnosticism? Well, it's not as uh, the the Christian Gnostics were. You might say more punk rock. They were they had a far darker view of the world. They were more like uh, Morpheus and Neo in the Matrix. The Hermetics <laughs> tended to have a a softer that this world is a trap. This is not our home, but it's a good place to learn. Um, but both probably started or really got going in Egypt. Uh, I think as uh, many scholars, and I think they're uh, positing this rightly, 
the Gnostics and the Hermetics were a continuation of ancient Egyptian mysteries because even in the, the cosmologies are very similar to some of the ancient uh, Egyptian mysteries. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the, these ideas of uh, taking these sort of astral flights out of your body through the spheres to make contact beyond the stars was, uh, we, we find that in Egyptian texts. So what some have said is that there were these priests, if you would, who held on to these uh, ancient mysteries and they began to interact with either pagans or Jews in places like Alexandria and began teaching them these, uh, these, um, these, these mysteries that were starting to be forgotten by the world with the, uh, the, with the rise of the Roman Empire and so forth, and, and then again with the declining civilization of Rome around the 3rd century. So the Gnostics and the Hermetics were the carriers of this very ancient primordial um, uh, knowledge, but of course they adapted or they, they innovated by adding a lot of Greek philosophy, a lot of Jewish theology, and later on... Uh, really adopting the Christian uh, dispensation. And it should be mentioned is uh, Gnosticism has been called like a parasite religion because there's always sort of a, a Gnostic blend in the religions. You've got uh, Orthodox Christians, and then you've got the Christian Gnostics. You've got paganism, but you've got the Hermetics. You've got Islam. You've got the Sufis. You've got Judaism. You've got the Kabbalah. Even in Zoroastrianism, there are... There are um, there are certain movements like uh, Zervanism, which state that Ahriman, the dark god, is the one that rules this universe, like the Gnostics saying that uh, the, the, this Demiurge, this, this Archon, is the one that really ru- runs the universe, like the architect in the Matrix. And, uh, they, but what Gnosticism, or as, uh, as the scholar April DeConnick called it, it's a metaphysical orientation. It's... Uh, you are in a religion, but you have a certain slant towards it, and you're going to borrow from this religion to create these rites and these mysteries, because at its core, Gnosticism is an ecstatic religion. It's shamanistic, like the ancient Egyptian mysteries. You're supposed to have a realization of the world, like Neo taking the red pill, or Truman discovering that a seeing a lamp fall from the sky or something like that. The, to commune with this being beyond the stars, you have to have a shamanistic experience where you leave your body. And the Gnostics felt, well, we're all individuals, so the rituals are different for each one of us. So some Gnostics practice uh, sex magic, others practice uh, uh, meditation, others practice uh, sacramental uh, exercise, uh, others did alchemy. But it was all with the idea of sort of escaping this world, communing with the, what they call the alien god, and then becoming a divine being on this planet. And needless to say, Gnosticism, as some have said, is the first UFO cult in history, because they really did believe that we had to go beyond the stars with this, what they called, they literally called him an alien god. Okay, and... and um... I don't want to ju- jump too far ahead of myself, but uh, Giordano Bruno was basically killed over saying the same thing, what, 1,400 years later or something, around that time. But that idea ha- 
had been around uh, the UFOs, outer space type type themes in religion had been around for a long, a lingered in Europe for a long time afterwards. Well, I mean, they called, again, the Gnostics, uh, these religions believed in their, their gods and their angels, but uh, the Gnostics were unique because they thought that uh, there was something even beyond the stars. You were talking like infinity away. They went really far out. And uh, it was, uh, and they thought that all these gods and angels and spirits were all in cahoots to trap us in this universe. So they, as, as uh, Eric Davis, the scholar said, the Gnostics really went way out. They, they might have been the really first spiritual off-worlders. Because they said, you know, most religions, mm-hmm. what do they do? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience my God. I'm going to worship my God. And the Gnostics were like, no, we are flying far out. We are taking a journey across the universe. And you really don't see that in other religions. Maybe in Neoplatonism, where uh, Plotinus talks about meeting the one and all that. But uh, in that way, they, they certainly were a UFO cult. And early in your discussion, uh, discussion, your uh, you you brought up um, you know something's like you know meeting uh, you know, like going back to God and uh, you know I uh, that. Didn't know. Yeah, you want to th- throw that out, but you know, one of um, the passages from the Old, Old Testament that I, I like was when uh, Yahweh talks to Jeremiah, and, and right there at the beginning, he says, uh, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Before you came to birth, I consecrated you. you know, I, I, that seems like it's you know, an analogous um, sim- similar uh, belief system. Um, I don't know when the book of Jeremiah was written. I think, obviously it's one I think of the uh, later. Uh, I think that's in Psalms. No, I, I'm looking at it. Uh, uh, oh, it might be in Psalms too. I'm just. Uh, it, it, it's in um, the first uh, chapter of uh, Je- Jeremiah. Um, but it it's just it, it, interesting how, how that that idea of Return you know, dust to dust, you know, th- that kind of thing is returning to where you came from. Keeps reappearing. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, a lot of movements thought that there was a pre-existence. There was a pre-existence mm-hmm. of the soul. We're used to the uh, Abra- Abrahamic uh, idea that God creates souls, but even. 
Plato and other mystics said, yeah, the soul falls into this world and is, uh, and it's always existed. It's always been eternal and it falls into the body and does its thing. And that's fine. So that's already been there. And he has a mm-hmm. theme of, uh, going home, but, uh, yeah. yeah, the Gnostics obviously is separated because, uh, in these movements, nobody's saying that, uh, something bad happened and you're trapped in this world. Oh, I- and you're not going to escape until you realize it. <laughs> okay. It, 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 did the uh, Gnostics have a concept of a, a redeemer? Like, did, did they believe in Jesus or a, another redeemer? Did, uh, did they just uh, believe Jesus was, you know, uh, Redeemer, the uh, Son of God. It, it, uh, what was what? What was their view of him? Uh, well, like many early Christians, they had different views, and they definitely mm-hmm. debated it. But uh, again, he wasn't here to save you from your sins. He was here to awake you. He was here to open your eyes through giving you the truth about the world, about the universe, about your divine origins, and also show you uh, perhaps the rituals and attitude you needed to have to uh, to become, well, in essence, to become like him. He was the avatar of the supreme consciousness, of that font of everything that was beyond the stars. And he was here to tell us that we are too. That's why a lot of Gnostic texts like... Um, Gospel of Philip and others that uh, obviously didn't make the Bible uh, say things like, no, Jesus says, those who tell you that you must die and be resurrected are wrong. You must be resurrected before you die. And and if you see Christ, you will become a Christ. So it was a very different Jesus. He was someone here to tell you information. He was very much like uh, Morpheus in, in the in the matrix he's there to give you the red pill and if you choose to take the red pill then he'll further show you what's going on in this world i mean what separates the gnostics is uh there was this blogger that said um most religions always ask how did evil come into the world to the gnostics it's always they ask how does how did good come into the world because even jesus is sort of a uh uh, an intruder in the simulation is trying to wake us up like Morpheus and the agents are the archons always trying to, uh, to impede him coming and wake us up. And the Gnostics had several others. You might, again, I, I call them messengers of light or Gnostic revealers. Uh, uh, Mary Magdalene is considered another one. Uh, Simon Magus, Hermes, Trismegistos, uh, Buddha for some Gnostics that thrived in Asia, in Asia, and so forth. So there were several of these uh, revealers of right, light who are just telling us that we have the power of becoming a, a revealer, a, a Gnostic revealer, a messenger of light. A little different interpretation, but uh, okay, I, 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 that's so, something to uh, keep in mind for these shows. I, I, I liked your explanation, but I, I, I was reading one of your articles. Um, um, yeah, you know, you know that like there was you know, like the main, the mainstream 
early church, you know, eventually, you know, trying to suppress them. But, uh, uh, you know, it seems you, know, you as well as uh, other authors have uh, noted that some concepts seem to have so some Gnostic concepts found their way into the New Testament in uh, one of your articles uh, from First uh, Corinthians chapter two. You wrote about, uh, but still we have a wisdom to offer those who have reached maturity, not a philosophy of our age. It is true still less of the masters of our age, which are coming to their end. The hidden wisdom of God, which we teach in our mysteries, is the wisdom that God predestined to be for our glory before the ages began. Uh, that's like you know, one of those uh, types of passages that kind of goes back to Normandy's uh, statement from last night, um, you know, just hide things in uh, the light if you don't want people to uh, see it. And I forgot about that passage until I read your article. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it made it way into the New Testament. Uh, I think it, uh, I think it, uh, it was appropriated. Again, Paul had very Gnostic ideas, and um, okay. and uh, the Gnostics certainly thought of him as uh, being a Gnostic revealer. Again, if you take off, as I mentioned, if you take off the the Sunday Church view of Paul, if you take up the false letters that are attributed to him, like Timothy and others, and you really see him down. As Even a, a Greek Orthodox scholar, David Bentley Hart, says when you read Paul as he is, he's, there is one theme. Jesus came down to defeat the Archon, and that was his idea. And the Gnostics were very inspired. Again, the Gospel of John is uh, very Gnostic, and uh, even the Book of Revelation has certain Gnostic hints, even though it uh, even though it does talk about certain it does talk uh, in a very unkind way about certain Gnostic churches, churches like the Nicolaitans and so forth. But uh, yeah, these ideas were there, but they had to be appropriated. And again, some of the characters that the Gnostics revered are suddenly sort of you might say vilified or. Uh, brought down a few pegs in the New Testament. The Gnostics saw Mary Magdalene as a, a leader, a spiritual leader, sometimes the most important, uh, the highest uh, apostle or companion to Jesus, but she sort of demoted in the New Testament. Same with Simon Magus, who the, the many of the, the early church called him the father of Gnosticism. He was a, a great magician and a revealer of secrets, and he sort of turned into this sort of loser wizard in the New Testament. And Thomas, there's the Gospel of Thomas and other uh, mm-hmm. texts with his name that are very Gnostic. And Thomas is suddenly changed to the doubter, the guy who doesn't believe in Jesus when he rises. So you have this slay of hand because the, the early church saw both uh, the threat that was this, these Gnostic ideas, but they also saw that uh, 
they were too powerful just to be ignored. So why not twist them around and weaponize them and use them for the growing church? And this is what we had. And then on the other side, we'll just, uh, well, we'll just uh, wipe out these Gnostics uh, while we create this uh, world dominating religion. With the, writing and compilation of the Old and New Testament um, over the first uh, few hundred years of uh, Christianity. Um, Maybe what first or second century BC to about the time of uh, what Christ's uh, crucifixion the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nog Hamadi texts were written um from what I understand, the Dead Sea Scrolls don't necessarily mention Jesus by name, but yeah, they are taking um, what sounds like they're taking some Christian concepts a, a little deeper than what uh, was finally included in Testament. Miguel, could you explain a little bit about the importance of those two, um, you know, the archaeological finds and how they are similar or complements, enhance all these uh, religious philosophies? Uh, that's a good question. How are they? I think both the Nag Hammadi Library and the Dead Sea Scrolls show us a, a multiplicity and a variety of views that were out there uh, mm-hmm. before it, and it, after the life of Jesus. Um, it, that, that's now, what I really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Nag Hammadi Library was discovered in 1945, uh, same year they dropped the two bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and it came out of uh, Upper Egypt. And what it showed us was this, uh, well, I think it's 50 texts or 55 texts of alternative Christianity. And a lot of these texts, it also includes Hermetic texts, uh, a copy of Plato's Republic, and uh, but a lot of these texts really reflect this different type of Christianity, which again, which we call Gnostic. And it was a very important um, find, even though they, they're dated to probably two, 300 AD, although now scholars think that they're originally written before and then translated into Coptic, which the Nakamadi library saw uh, ancient Coptic, which was uh, the language of Egypt uh, in those times in early mm-hmm. Christian times. But, What's fascinating is you have uh, 2,000 years ago or 1,900 years, or you have uh, church fathers 
and they're talking about the Gnostics and they're going, yeah, they, they have this book called the secret book of John. They've got this book called Marsanus. They've got this uh, gospel of Judah. Well, gospel of Judas wasn't in the Almighty library. It was discovered later, but the church fathers are quoting these texts and talking about these dangerous Gnostics and, uh, People are going, well, are they making this up? Are they just are these just polemics creating villains? And then the Nagamati comes out and it's like, Whoa, we can verify that what the church fathers were saying was true and this was going on in early Christian times and they give us a huge snapshot of uh this different type of Christianity and this different type of Jesus. Uh, and again, it has a hermetic, a hermetic text in it, uh, Discourse of the Eighth of the Nine, and it's got some other uh, works, and it's uh, very important to really understand uh, the growth and evolution of Christianity and uh, what was going on in the dialogues. Now, for the Dead Sea Scrolls, that was discovered, what, 1947, two years later in Qumran, and this seems to be a separatist, Jewish movement. Perhaps it was the scenes, perhaps not. We really don't know, although it could be. But you had a group of uh, Jews that had been dissatisfied with the temple, with the corrupt temple that was in the pocket of the Roman authorities. And they, as we find out, that they were very apocalyptical. They believed that there was this coming battle of light and darkness. And which fascinating too, they also believed that there would be there, there would be a spiritual Messiah, uh, a being from from God that would come and help them and liberate them when the time would would come. And these people in the Qumran would save a lot of these scrolls and something. Uh, once the Romans uh, decided to destroy the Jerusalem Temple in what 67 A.D., that a lot of the priests gave these. Uh, the, the, the Qumran community gave them these scrolls and they were able to hide it and put it in jars. Uh, uh, obviously, the, the people of the Dead Sea Scrolls were wiped out and during the Jewish wars, uh, some say at Masada. And, um, but these scrolls were uh, preserved uh, with the heat. And same as the Nag Hammadi Library, they were preserved in jars in Upper Egypt. The heat and the dryness were allowed them to stay in relatively good um uh, relatively good uh, form for you know two thousand years. And what's fascinating, some have said that uh, uh, going back to what we we're talking about, the Gnostics also might have started dissatisfied Jews who had this sort of apocalyptic idea of the world being a battle of light and darkness, and darkness was winning. Except the Gnostics went to Egypt and started practicing these uh, ancient Egyptian shamanistic mysteries while the Qumran community stayed in uh, Palestine to sort of wait around for this Messiah to save them. So that's more or less the differences and similarities. But there was something big going on in the official story of how Judaism and Christianity was is uh, far, far from complete, as you can see. Wow. Um, Are those... Lost books that are mentioned by the, uh, the church fathers. Uh, was Saint Augustine one of the authors that um, 
was aware of those um, lost books? Well, St. Augustine actually started out as a Gnostic. That's what most people don't know. He started out in the sect of the Manichaeans, but uh, he just couldn't he couldn't deal with them because uh, the Gnostics being sort of uh, libertine and relaxed, uh, there was very little structure in the Gnostic sect. Uh, it just, he just couldn't deal with it. So he decided to join the church, the Catholic church for what he would do. So Augustine was certainly very aware of the Gnostics and he writes uh, plenty of polemics against them. Although some have said he was, even to the day he died, he was a crypto-gnostic because a lot of ideas of predestination and so forth are uh, are eerily close to some of the gnostic ideas of those times. Hmm. And he certainly he he talks bad. Up, he doesn't like Hermes Trismegistos, although he admits he's a, an important figure in history. So Augustine certainly knew what was going on. Huh. Uh, okay. Since given us a uh, very understandable uh, crash course on Gnosticism and all these other philosophies going on around this same uh, time, but they left a legacy, and oh, you know, people go to your website and see it. Uh, you know, one of your interests in being a podcaster extraordinaire is that you want to help others to achieve their full potential as an artist. Um, Barbara and I come from careers in education, so you know, we you know, want to push our students to be better than they thought they were. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, we hold some kind of gnostic belief. I don't know. It's just. Um, which, what would you say? Uh, yeah, that's just a maybe just a universal concept that uh, they were one of the first ones to write about it. I I don't know, but uh, you know, we hold the you know, we try to do that for our students and ho- hopefully listeners as well. Um, you get other guests who've been on with us are like you know Rob Sullivan and uh I think he he would probably um say that you know he is pushing people to see uh deeper than they did before they picked up you know his cinema symbolism books um uh, you know, you know there's uh, Bacon's New Atlantis that's you know basically a college but uh, um but 
maybe a lot of the uh, best examples of being the best, um, achieving your full potential comes from artists. You know, we can look at uh, maybe Leonardo. You know, there's uh, he as he was dying, he thought he really didn't live up to his potential. Um, William Blake. You know, you know, you've spoken about him. Uh, you know, Blake's yeah, a pretty interesting. Yeah, and his, you know, just aside from his uh, poetry, um, you know, people really really should look at his artwork. You know, there's some pretty interesting stuff like that. That uh, you know, there's a pretty famous one where, like, God's sitting in this. It's like uh, orb. And you know, the wind's blowing his hair. He has this compass, and you know, he's, you know, measuring what the uh, distance of the universe. It's a, a pretty thought-provoking uh, painting. But um, he makes God look really bad, doesn't he? The Gnostics would definitely be against the architect of the Freemasons. I think the Gnostics would. Would be like, yeah, you can educate your children, but I think at the end of the day, you have to tell them you, you got to burn it all down. There's no, um, there's no other solution. <laughs> We've all been duped. We're all living lies. I think. I mean, the Gnostics had like a, a dual way of thinking. They said, look, uh, mm-hmm. we really are in. The, they saw in the Hermetics. The Hermeticists are the same. The, the supreme intelligence is this vast, creative, kind, beautiful, harmonious mind that's always experiencing, understanding. It's incredible, but it's beyond the universe. But guess what? We are in the image of this uh, supreme mind. And as the, you know, as the hermetics say, as above, so below, as without, mm-hmm. as outside, so inside. So not only are we housed in the universe, but the universe is housed in us. We have the potential. <clears throat> what did Paul say? We want the mind of Christ. We can have the mind of God, and each of our minds and our souls really has unlimited potential and can really find a purpose and a will to uh, become godlike, divine like, uh, to become, what did I say, Christ like in this world, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, something all of us should aspire to. And because the mind of God is pure imagination, all of us have an imagination to create better, to invent better, to find innovative ways to help others and find solutions. But obviously, at the end of the day, there's that other, that edgy part that says, yes, but these constructs of society, our education, our churches, our government, these are all demonic because all they do is stifle our creative self. They don't nurture it. They stifle us. And that's what the Gnostics would take a hard line, say, no, these schools and universities and governments, they are beyond hope. They they destroy us. Our families destroy us. Our parents find ways to destroy us, and we're all just a mess 
of uh, psychosis and neurosis and paranoia and all that, but we all have to walk around like we're good, obedient members of society playing our role and being good neighbors. And the Gnostics were 100% anarchists and against that. They were the, the true rebels against the machine, if you would. And they didn't compromise. They were not going to compromise. And that's why they were wiped out. But uh, I think for humanity to reach its full potential, we really have to go, you know, bar that cliche, we have to go beyond the stars. What we'll find beyond the stars is ourselves, our true selves. And our true selves is uh, the most amazing thing anybody will ever encounter, better than any career or relationship or anything else. It's what we are here for, to find ourselves, self-knowledge. Okay. Knowledge, not self uh, as Elaine Pagel said in the Gnostic Gospels, uh, not, knowledge of ourselves is knowledge of our of God. You know, uh, the universe is within us. Okay. So, how does the Any kind of like these different philosophies that we've been covering, how does that uh, tie, tie in with the individual artist? Um, I, I was, you know, since you, know, you have been covering uh, Carl Jung, um, uh, you know, while it, you know, Fifteen years or so ago, I read his uh, "The Undiscovered Self," and he, you know, he does talk about uh, wherever justice is uncertain and police spying and terror are at work, human beings fall into isolation, which, of course, is the main is the aim and purpose of the dictator state, since it is based on the greatest possible accumulation of depot. And aided social units. Um, I love it. I mean, it's it's uh, what I like. What Stefan Heller said: every serious artist is already half a Gnostic. What does a true artist do? True artist not only sees the beauty of the world, but is also able to see the suffering of the world. Uh, True art, poetry, drama, movies gives us a glimpse of how bad things are, how much suffering there is in the world and how we can overcome and rise above it. My, uh, I think the Gnostics, and I would agree with them, the problem with uh, most artists and most uh, religious leaders or secret society members is they're under this uh, assumption that this is a, a somewhat of a good world and they forget that there is suffering going on at every second, that there is something terrible going on. I mean, this is a world of limitation, of disease, of temporality, a world of where humans are doing unspeakable evils to each, to each other at all times. And uh, the, an artist can always see this and hold it up. And an artist uh, really feels it. An artist suffers because they see the world as it truly is, even as they try to find beauty and ways to overcome or at least cope 
with the unspeakable suffering that this world, this universe is about. And unfortunately, most people just sort of uh, deny it. They live in a, a, in a delusion or they don't want to face the horror of the universe. Even Joseph Campbell said, uh, uh, in, uh, what did he tell Bill Moores one time? It's like, look, you've got to see that this universe is a horror, but you have to accept it and embrace it and come back to it and say it's going to be okay because uh, we can become, as he said, transparent to the transcendent. That's what Mary Magdalene says in the Gospel of Mary. She says, look, we are here to become transparent to the cosmic, to be completely open up to the horror and beauty of this universe and stop being in denial about it. And... You know, with artists, it, it it just seems like um, you know there's a overthrow of the existing government by uh, a dictatorial regime. It always seems like until the artists, yeah. <laughs> like the artists are always the first group of people to be suppressed. But it, 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 you know, you really do want to focus on the individual, and that yeah, you know, that's where you know, like you really can't have the individual expression and the collective. You know, you get kind of like that you know, duality. Uh, uh, you know, black and white. You know, good evil type. Uh, thinking. How how do we maintain the creative source during uh, times like this? You know, with the isolation that's going on. You know, hey, you know, don't see grandma. You can stand outside the window of the nursing home and wave to her, but don't you dare go in there and hug her. But you know, this isolation is just really terrible on on people and the creative spirit. How, you know, how, how do we get that back? Uh, I would say uh, do what the Gnostics did. Uh, go outside and look at the stars. That's where there was so much inspiration. And at the same time, take a journey inward. The distance between you and the stars, the distance going in between you and finding your soul go into uh it's a time for introspection it's a time to go into this journey what joseph campbell and carl jung said go down into the underworld the underworld is a great metaphor for your own unconscious that place where there's a lot of uh memories potential there would be trauma there is uh ego resistance go inward and find out who you are most people it takes lifetimes of reincarnation so if you're in, let's say, like you said, there's a, a period of lockdown, go outside and look at the stars, find inspiration there, and then take an inward journey whichever way you can. could be meditation, could be you write, uh, you journal, you start creating some art, you start writing a book, you start, um, I don't know, doing some dream interpretation or I Ching, something that's that, makes you go inside and make contact with there's so much about you that is still left untapped and unmined and 
there is potential there, unlimited potential. And that way you can thrive when things uh, get better. And you won't have to because you'll have this beautiful inner treasure room inside of you as you, uh, I don't know about paradoxically, begin to connect more with nature, to the skies, to uh, the silence of the trees, to the the beauty of how it feels walking on the grass. Even the Gnostics wrote that uh, God is in every blade of grass. So there is uh, so much instead of uh, the usual humdrum of social media and television and news and uh, small talking with your neighbors. And yeah, sure, there's a value there, but uh, don't uh, miss out on what we're here for. Miguel, you were just mentioning uh the stars the what the wonder they can create in you the uh the burst a burst of creativity um do we see yeah, since we've been talking about you know, like all that first century AD uh, time period, uh, do the three magi fit into that kind of thinking? Uh, I, I, I always wonder about the, uh, the their role with. Um, astrology at at that time what were they observing uh, uh you know we can look, look at uh you know the possibility of you know, what what they were actually following was a ufo too yeah the star was moving yeah i don't know much about that i mean they obviously were zoroastrian I- we don't know if there was three. There's three gifts, but there could have been more than we don't know how many magi were there. And there are there is an apocryphal text. Oh, I forgot the name of it, but it does have the story of the magi. And um, yeah, I did not that's know that. All I really know. Yeah, I forgot the name of it, but it's out there. But um, again, this appears in what uh, Luke and Matthew. So and it's really not. Um, it's nothing to me. <laughs> okay. Oh, I. I I just wonder. It, it was. We were just kind of talking about stars. I, I thought it was it. Yeah, I mean, astrology was very important to the ancients. Certainly, the Gnostics, mm-hmm. even early Christians, uh, the Qumran community. Uh, there's plenty of astrology in Judaism in the Old Testament, but it's sort of been hidden away. But uh, yeah, it was very important to the ancients. Essential. It was their internet. I like it. Okay, and you know, you call your shows a, a virtual Alexandria. Um, had there not been that un- unfortunate uh, fire, where do you think we would be? Man, that is a good question. Are you, I mean, Alexandria, what, it, it took time for Alexandria to fall apart. There was, uh, I think, Julius Caesar set it on fire in a battle part of it. And then, uh, 
Christianity destroyed it more than the Muslims uh, did a lot of damage until it just these days is just a little town. But you wonder what would have happened. I don't think we could have. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to be a little pessimistic and say it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, this is the world of the Archons. This is their world. And uh, they're the ones who call the shots. There's always empire. There's always oppressive regimes. And there's always uh, that wickedness in high places. So I don't think that would have made a difference. Okay. Hey, um, uh, Miguel, I, I know you, you had some business to do. You only had time for uh, about an hour tonight. Um it, do do you want to uh, get get back to uh, uh, your work, and you you are more than welcome to come back another um, evening. Uh, do do you want to go on with something else? Well, we've got a couple more questions, but yeah, I can do that. I'm going to oh, get okay. the kids in bed, but they're. I see they're yep. very hyper, so they're good. <laughs> For another okay. ten minutes or so. Okay, I, I, I will do ten. I, I just, uh, um, I'm just really captivated by what you have to say, and uh, this hour with you, and you know, I'm glad uh, you can stay for a few more. But uh, um, you know, we've uh, touched on. Uh, Hermes uh, Trismegistus. It, it, um, yeah, that's uh, a very important character. Think of this. Yeah, one. yeah. The Rene- as some have said, what ended the Dark Ages and sparked the, the you know the Renaissance, Western mm-hmm. Enlightenment, and some have said it was the West Western Europe, Italy gaining the corpus hermetic, the hermetic text, that really changed the consciousness of humanity. I mean, you talked about Giordano Bruno and others. It was these Mm -hmm. hermetic texts and the wisdom of Plato that sort of sparked, expanded the mind of European men and women in those days and really changed the world. So think how powerful this information is. And, uh, uh, the wisdom of Hermes that existed in Egypt of years before Christ. I mean, there were texts on Hermes. There were um, all these documents on astrology and magic and so forth, all attested to Hermes. He's a huge figure in Western civilization, occultism in general. Uh, even, uh, I mean, alchemy. Alchemy is uh, pretty much... Uh, uh, given that it started with the Hermetics and the Gnostics in the first century. But that was, again, a continuation of these Egyptian mysteries that the world was forgetting. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. the Gnostics and the Hermetics were able to keep going all throughout history and think what is done for humanity. Um, the Renaissance and, uh, again, occultism and uh, the study of mythology and so much more. It's been... Uh, a huge impact and unfortunately as i've said people who study gnosticism if you want to admit it but this can be weaponized the church used these texts 
Paul, the Gospel of John, and other Gnostic ideas and weaponize them against people. We can even go further and say, uh, even today, we can say uh, that the, the Nazis, the communists, Scientology, Heaven's Gate, uh, David Icke, so many others, are influenced by Gnosticism. I'm not saying uh, like David Icke is bad. I, I like his work. But I'm saying mm-hmm. this weaponized Gnosticism ca- can be used for bad reasons, and it has been used throughout history. I call, again, I call it weaponized Gnostic. Think about this, and this is a uh, Professor Vervank of the <laughs> University of Toronto actually brought it up. He's a scholar. He said, you know. Look at the Nazis. You you tell a group of people, you say, look, you're trapped in a false system. You're really gods. You're better than gods. But you know what? There's these archons over there. You know, we'll call them, they're Jews. And if you can wake up to your superiority, to this illusion of the world and eliminate these others, we can create heaven on earth. So the problem is Gnosticism can be weaponized and has been weaponized throughout history. But it is, but again, it's also been used for, uh, again, the, the positive side of Gnosticism in alchemy, the, the Islam Renaissance and Enlightenment, uh, the Renaissance here in Western Europe. It's been a, a huge boon for civilizations becoming enlightened and educated. So, but I mean, you talked about Carl Jung. Uh, Carl Jung always said uh, everything has a shadow. Once you do something good, there's a shadow side to it, and that's just the way the universe works. Even God has a shadow, according to Jung. Okay. With that shadow imagery that you, you just mentioned, How does that fit into your website, The God Above God? Where, what? Well, I think in the Gnostic creation stories, you had the supreme imagination wake up. Consciousness decides, oh my God, I exist. And it begins to create aspects of itself. I am consciousness, I am good, I am this, I am imaginative, I am infinite. Then it spreads out, but at some point, the Gnostics contend that you're going to have to imagine something dark. Or as some Gnostics said, there's a breakdown. The, the, that's just imagining there's a little glitch, and it has a, a burp, and something dark comes out. In the Gnostic text, a lot of them say, you know, uh, God realized it was wise and her name was Sophia, and they created this being called Sophia. But the problem is Sophia rebelled, because as wisdom, she has to do her own thing, and wisdom has to experience. So this aspect of God's mind called wisdom decided to go experience, but it left the mind into the chaos and became, as some have said, pregnant with her own mistake, with her own distress, with her own arrogance. And she gives birth to the Demiurge, the god of the Old Testament, the, the ruler of this universe, and that's how the cosmic saga appears. But that's their mythology. But it really comes down, even as some other Gnostic said, look, yeah, as soon as the consciousness becomes aware, it's going to imagine something dark because that's what it does. It's going to imagine a shadow. It's going to say, I am good, but what would evil look like? And bang, 
We have the universe. Okay, and um, in a regular get guest you've had on your show, on that Osmond, um, and he he's uh, he's going to be returning with uh, Barbara uh, later this summer. Uh, in his um, the Egyptian origins of King David and the Temple of Solomon, he, he wrote. Uh, Freemasons also believe that Hiram Abiff was a healer and philosopher whose followers kept his teaching for many centuries after his death. It was uh, they who later became known as the Gnostics of the early Christian era. Uh, the Masons also relate Hiram Abiff to the philosophy of Hermes Trismegistus. Um, another uh, skip a paragraph and then uh, Ahmed wrote, wrote the true name of the architect can easily be identified when we add the letter S at the end of H-R-M-S you know, the, the vowels being taken out of Hiram uh, the architect was later identified with Hermes uh, because of his philosophy it, it, yeah, uh, uh, this is one of the points that I've gotten out of tonight's show, as well as you know, reading Ahmed's books and several others, it, is these philosophies are very uh, observant of human nature in. They've just, even though efforts have been made to suppress them, they still exist. It, it, you just can't, no one can still squash them. They're, it's uh, too powerful, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, but it, 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 I, th- I thought you really brought that out tonight. That it, yeah, they're they're just they're there because there's just too much truth to them. Yeah, sooner or later. I mean, I don't think, as I mentioned, and I know uh, I've talked to Tobias Chert and Robert Sullivan about this, but I don't think the Gnostics would see the architect of Freemasonry as anything good. They'd see them as, as weaponized Gnosticism, the the great trick. Uh, I doubt they would see Hiram as Hermes because we're talking this is a god of he is magic, but he's also an uh, astrology, but he's also uh, a god of chaos when you think about not of order. So, um, so you have to be careful because all of this can be weaponized and all of this can be hidden and rehidden where you know it. But that's always going to be the great struggle because the biggest fraud in the world is each one of us. We're all layers of programming, delusion, uh, shadows that come out, uh, childhood trauma, uh, cultural uh, cultural training. So uh, we are, the de- each one of us is a great demiurge of the Gnostics. It's about uh, mining and removing these layers of uh, falsehood and until we can find something that is completely true and imaginative and great. So it's a, 
that's why we do these shows, you and I and others and authors uh, write these great books so we can all have a conversation and a dialogue and uh, make this a better, make things better. In some ways, these are the best of times and the worst of times. Uh, uh, There's good information. I think people are waking up because I know my show gets more popular. I'm sure yours is and your others. Mm -hmm. Alternative media, alternative information is out there. It's more getting more unpopular, legacy media is failing, the old tricks of the politician and the government are, they just don't work as well, so they're being really desperate with their propaganda on us, and just acting like complete buffoons, and more and more people are seeing through them. There is a breakthrough, and uh, we can see through the simulation. You know, it, well, Right. Um, you know, if Ahmed's saying, uh, what if you know we're talking about Hiram? I, yeah, that's he's mentioned in uh, what First Kings or something like that. If that's the same person, um, it, you know, we, you know, we're talking about. Going back to the time of the the Egyptian pharaohs, um, you know, according to this passage, um, but but it, 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 it's just very interesting that for for such a long period of time, there's been. Um, an unbroken chain of thought that's existed and you know even with all these different philosophies we've spoken about it persists um i've done you know an excellent job of just touching on many of them that emanated from uh, you know the Mediterranean area, and, and you know if people haven't heard um, Barbara and Normandy's show from last night, I think you'd find a lot of you know their conversation that overlaps with uh, what we covered tonight. I think both shows were very complimentary, even though I don't think they were really planned to be that way. Yeah, I would just, I mean, the one I disagree is I do not want one brotherhood, one world government, one new world. I don't right. want any of this utopian stuff. Just uh, let each individual find their own potential. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at my kids. They are just a. Uh, there's just a font of imagination and curiosity and they're just, uh, they never stop. They're always searching, always dreaming, always imagining. I think that should be the I think That's the natural state of a human being. If you let us do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think it's yeah, just trying that kind of is a nice tie-in with some of the other things 
that we've mentioned tonight is all these Yeah, you know, the her- heritage, where we came from, where we're going, but it it, it all becomes full circle, and hopefully it becomes full circle because you um, did r- reach your potential, and it seems like our artists really. Uh, Are very good at, at expressing concept. Uh, you know, I don't know if it you know, is you know deliberately an expression of one of these philosophies or not. It's just yeah, you know, that's the way we're supposed to be. I would agree. Yeah. I liked it. So, hey, uh, the kids getting tired? Like, yeah, they're starting to get a bit strange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fuel tank does run out when you're a supernova of uh, imagination and creativity and uh, whatever desires they have. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I don't want to keep you on. Uh, uh, and, you know, since you, any longer, since you have you know personal things to get to, but, um, I you know I I just want to let you know, you know, working with you on, on your show was, uh, and the few times we've done that, you know, it's really uh, gratifying experience, and you know, I'm just glad you were able to. Stop over at Nightlight tonight. Uh, Barbara uh, really enjoyed the show as well, and I, 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 I was very thankful you stopped by tonight. And I'm, uh, I, I was learning a, a lot. You know, you know, I did some reading too to prep for the show, but you know, I, I'm learning a, a lot as we go along. And, I've, and so, so many of these uh, shows we're doing with, you know, looking at different philosophies. You know, you know how, how people are, are learning something about you know, what may work for them, what uh, doesn't. But at least you gave it a try, and you know, hopefully th- things are developing well for people as you know we get out of this pandemic situation and start enjoying the summer. But um you know, Miguel, is there uh like a, a website or anything you want to uh plug uh real fast before you talk sure, to kids sure. um, in, in bed? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Um the God above God dot com. My website or uh, do on a search engine A on Byte A E O N B Y T E Gnostic Radio, and my website has my podcast, books, social media, contact forms, uh, introductory articles on Gnosticism. If people want a little bit more, because obviously in an hour we barely scratch the surface, uh, but there's a lot there, and uh, everything is there that I have. And uh, yeah, check it out. That's great. Uh- Thank you, and you Miguel. Can find the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, uh, 
uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. You can find the podcast anywhere, really, these days. Okay. That sounds great. And, and yeah, uh, you do have a great show. I, I, I do enjoy it. And I, I just want to thank you again, and I, I hope you'll come back sometime soon. I, I really enjoyed uh Tonight's show, Barbara did as well, and um, hopefully we can talk soon. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. Okay, we will see everyone next uh, Monday night, and I think next Tuesday, uh, Max Hawthorne is going to be back uh, talking about his new uh, Monsters and Marine Mysteries book. So um, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week.